0: Well, hey, for six weeks, we have focused on uh, our attention on the epic story of the Bible, the kingdom of God, God's everlasting kingdom from eternity past through eternity future, that grand overarching story of the Bible, the kingdom of God. And the focal point of that story is Jesus. Jesus is the pivotal point of all time. Amen? Amen. From the past to the future, He is that moment in time. And Jesus' story is the gospel. The gospel, that good news that sinful, rebellious, self-centered people like us can be reconciled to Him and can live in relationship with Jesus forever through His death on the cross and His resurrection from the tomb on that third day. And every one of us who repents of our sin and believes His gospel, we are transformed from the inside out. We're made new creatures. And not only that, but what's even cooler is we are adopted as children of God. Aren't you glad you're a child of God today? God who created the heavens and the earth says you're His child. And Jesus is the gospel because Jesus is the good news. I'm looking forward to our Christmas series to be focusing on that. Well, this epic story of God's kingdom is the story of an ever-living, ever-loving God who rules all eternity with infinite justice, love, grace, and mercy. And it's through the gospel that we can live with God in His everlasting kingdom forever. And so for the last six weeks... We've studied this epic story of the kingdom, and today is our last week in this series. And I just want to quickly help us recall some things we've learned. I think we've discovered over the last six weeks that the law of the kingdom is the gospel. We've exposed some of the weaknesses of the rival kingdom. We've compared God's kingdom to human government. Pastor Jay, a couple weeks ago, shared with us some implications of the kingdom of God. And then last week, Pastor Steve taught us that the kingdom of God is here, but not fully here. Here, but not yet. And God's kingdom is eternal. His reign, His power exist outside the limits of time and space. God is eternal, and His kingdom is eternal. I love the words of Moses. He sings a song, and it's recorded in Psalm 90. And here's the first words of Moses' song. He says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Do you believe that's true today? Aren't you glad that an everlasting God loves you? One who never changes, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today and forever he loves you as we wrap up this uh, kingdom of god series today my plan is not to teach us some new information of any kind my desire for you today is that as you leave this this building this morning that you'll reclaim a vision of hope a vision of home that you'll leave with the desire of heaven in your heart That the hope of God's everlasting kingdom will give you courage in the days ahead. I want to answer one question for you. What is the everlasting kingdom? And then I'm going to challenge you to answer a question for yourself. Where is my heart today? Last week, Pastor Steve spoke about the idea that we live in this time of transition. We live in in an upside-down world and with an upside-down perspective. You know, this world often seems so important, doesn't it? Things seem so real and so true. But the invisible kingdom of God is more real than anything we experience right now at this moment. His kingdom is more real than that chair you're sitting on. His kingdom is more real than this building we're sitting in. His kingdom is more real than the car you're going to drive to the house where you live. His kingdom is real. 2 Corinthians chapter chapter 4 says, all things we see are temporary, but the things we don't see are eternal. It may seem that God does things backwards, that His kingdom is upside down, but sin exists in our world, right? We are the ones deceived by sin. We're the ones living with an upside down perspective. We live in an inverted kingdom because our world is passing away. Everything we see is temporary, but the things we don't see, those are eternal. God's kingdom came in tangible form through Jesus Christ. Yet God still allows our enemy, Satan, and his kingdom to exist. It still has power and control over humanity. Jesus said the kingdom of God is here, But if we don't understand what he means by that, you might look around at all the evil and the trouble in this world, and and you know there's plenty of it out there. And you might have trouble seeing the kingdom of God in action. In fact, you might say the kingdom of Satan is here. But let me assure you that before time began, before the universe was created, the kingdom of God was reigning perfectly in every way God has and always will be reigning in perfect power and peace you know I often wonder why if God was reigning so well in the universe and his plan was going so well before he created everything why did he create everything and mess it all up you ever ask that question I mean things were fine until he created the angels and then created us And then trouble started. Well, I'm sure there's lots and lots of reasons. But I think one reason in particular I want to share with you this morning is God created everything we know because God wanted a family. God wanted a people that He could love and that would love Him as family. Not because of any need or weakness in His heart, because God is perfect and complete. Amen? He doesn't need anything. But God wanted a family. He wanted you to be part of His family. That's why you exist. That's why you're here today, because God wants you to be part of His family. You know, God allowed rebellion and sin to to rise within the angelic realm, and then He allowed it to infect this world. But through our rebellion... He uses that as the tool to reconcile us to Himself. God uses rebellion to purify a holy family for Himself because He provides the gospel as the cure for our rebellion. And so from everlasting to everlasting, God unquestionably reigns supreme. Yet, we've talked about over the last few weeks how we see in the story of human history, at times it appears that maybe God's plan was unable to be accomplished. It looked like it was going to fail. Let me assure you, God's plan is never altered. His power has never faded. His perfect will has never been opposed. Amen? Amen. God's kingdom, God's power, God's rule, and God's authority have never been thwarted. The everlasting kingdom of God rules with full authority and power, and praise God, there is coming a day when that which is unseen will be seen that which is invisible will become visible that power which seems to have no ability to change this world is going to destroy this world and create a new heaven and a new earth does the thought of God's everlasting kingdom coming does that motivate you do you ever think about heaven Do you ever have times when you just long for Jesus? I know I do. The thought that someday Jesus is going to come and set everything right, does that fill your heart with joy? It should. By all means, it should. You know, you might have come here this morning with some discouragement in your life. There might be struggle or trouble in your life. Life is hard. We're battling with sin. We fight with disease. Financial pressures just crush our spirit. We have all kinds of issues in our lives that just discourage us. Sometimes it's easy to believe the world's lies about who we are and who we're not. Who God is and who He isn't. Does God really care about me? Does God really know what's going on in my life? Have you ever asked yourself those questions? It's easy to get discouraged in this life, isn't it? Well, just as God's kingdom has fully reigned from eternity past, His kingdom is reigning today. And His kingdom is going to reign for eternity future. Forever and ever. So what is this everlasting kingdom of God? And I think with that question we come back full circle to week one of our sermon series. In week one, Pastor Steve gave us a a three-part description, definition of what the kingdom of God is, and I, I kind of combined that to say that the everlasting kingdom of God is God's kingly reign, extending his gracious rule over his redeemed people in his specially prepared place. The kingdom of God is God's reign, God's rule, God's people in God's place. And God's everlasting kingdom that we're talking about this morning is the kingdom that's going to be revealed when God closes the books on time and we step into that eternal state forever to live forever with Him. You know, in His everlasting kingdom, there's not going to be any question of who's in charge. Because it's going to be a place where God reigns. There will be no more rebellion, no more sin, no more Satan, no more trouble. Do you at times just get tired of the struggle against the evil in this life? I know sometimes I just get so tired of the evil and the filth of this world. I get so troubled with the hate and the bitterness and the evil. Well, in God's everlasting kingdom, He's going to unquestionably reign. God says in Isaiah chapter 45, Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other God. By myself I have sworn and from my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance. Paul quotes those words in Romans 14 and then in Philippians 2, he expands on that. And Paul writes, therefore God has highly exalted him, that's Jesus, and bestowed on him, that's Jesus, the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The day is coming in God's everlasting kingdom when every knee is going to bow and declare that Jesus is Lord. Even Satan himself is going to be on his knees. Is there anything in your life, anything, that you have to fear? We don't even have to fear Satan, do we? Because the day's coming when he's going to bow before Jesus Christ and declare him Lord. Without question, God is going to reign supreme in his everlasting kingdom. God's reign will be supreme. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes, Then comes the end when he delivers, talking about Jesus, the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And when all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him, who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Make no mistake about it. Make no mistake, God is fully in charge. This everlasting kingdom is God's kingly reign, and it extends His gracious rule. How is God going to reign in His everlasting kingdom? I think we can understand that by understanding who God is. Because who He is is how He's going to reign. And who is God? First 1 John chapter 4 says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Who is God? Love. Thank you. God is love. God is the definition of love. He's the standard by which we measure love. The gospel is the story of love. Greater love has no man than a man who would lay his life down for his friends. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us and he is love. God is love. Aren't you glad that that says God is love? I mean, I'm glad it doesn't say God is anger or God is bitterness or God is vindictive. We'd be in trouble if it did, wouldn't we? He says God is love. Aren't you glad God loves you this morning? God lives for your benefit. His desire is to bring good things to you. That's His love. You know, people in this world may let you down. People may hurt you. People may abuse you. Your friends may abuse you. People may reject you. But God never will. God never, ever will. He'll rule His everlasting kingdom in love. You know, the Song of Solomon is a book about a love story between a a man and a woman, but really it's a picture of the love God has for us. And in chapter 2 of the Song of Solomon, these words are written, He brought me to the banqueting house, and His banner over me is love. Jesus' banner over us is love and will be love throughout all eternity in His everlasting kingdom. And what is a banner? Well, a banner is a flag. And and what's the purpose of a flag? Well, a flag symbolizes an identity. It sets an identity, doesn't it? It symbolizes a set of values and principles that we believe in. You know, we hang all of these flags from the various countries in our in our building here, and each one of those flags represents a culture, a people group, a nation. People that fly those flags, they identify themselves with those particular groups of people, and those flags represent a set of beliefs and ideas and values. The American flag, when it was created, stood for the concepts of freedom and liberty and justice for all. And when you fly an American flag in your house or at your place of business, you're identifying yourself as an American. You're a saying, I agree with those concepts of freedom and liberty and justice for all. A flag creates that identity and symbolizes those values. I've been on mission trips uh, several times overseas. And, you know, places where I've been, I've been, we've been pretty much all alone. And you drive by those uh, American embassies. And you see that American flag flying above the building and it gives you kind of a sense of hope. I feel a sense of hope and peace when I see that flag flying because I know that inside those walls are people that identify with with what I believe in. They agree with what I agree with. They're my countrymen. I'm not alone. I belong to to their ideas and their values. I belong to them and they belong to me. It's that sense of community and family. Well, over us, God's flag, He's going to fly, is love. Because in His everlasting kingdom, God is going to rule with love. His his reign is going to be complete. All of His enemies are going to be under His feet. And He's going to be ruling with the heart of love. I want to give you one more verse, one of my favorite verses. There are many scriptures through the Bible that, that are favorites. And this is one of my favorites. Zephaniah 3, 17 says, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love, and he will exalt over you with loud singing. Think about that. Think about that. God is love, and he loves us, and he's going to reign over his everlasting kingdom with love ruling out of a heart of love, and his his love and his joy for us is going to become so overwhelming to him, he's going to just break out into song. God is going to be singing a song of love to you. I love music. Don't you love music? Music is a gift from God, isn't it? You know evolutionists can't understand music. They can't define why music exists because there's no reason for survival. Music has no value. Well, I know why music exists. God created it and He gave it to us as a gift. And music can lift our hearts up into the heavens. Music can make you feel happy when you're sad. Music can make you sad when you feel happy, right? You know, you put things to music and you retain them a lot better. A B C D. (laughs) You sing a song and it helps you learn. Music is power. You'll be driving down the road and music can take you to some memories of the past or whatever. Our worship team does a great job of bringing us into God's presence through music. The music this morning was just amazing. But for all of the great music in this world, wait till you hear Jesus. Wait till he sings his song of love. For you, with that pure, clarion, powerful voice, with an overwhelming heart of love, he's going to sing his song of love to us. That's a day my heart longs for. How about you? <laughs> Amen. Yeah. The coming everlasting kingdom of God is where God reigns. Through a rule of love over God's people. The people of God. Who are God's people? All who have believed and loved and desired Him. And hopefully that includes all of us in this room today. You know that when you were born again, when you accepted the truth of the gospel, and you repented of your sins, and you believed in Jesus Christ, at that moment the Bible says you are holy you've been transformed you have become a new creature and you are holy the holy spirit moves into your heart and you become a holy vessel and while every day while we're in this world we might battle with our flesh and i might battle with the lies that the that the world and the enemy tells me it doesn't change the truth that inside i am holy and righteous And when god's everlasting kingdom is revealed in all his glory and all his enemies are under his feet, you and I, God's people, we're going to be perfect on the inside and on the outside. Revelation chapter 20 says, Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection, over such the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ. We're going to be perfect and holy in every way. You know, heaven's going to be an awesome, awesome place for an infinite number of reasons. The primary one is because Jesus is there, amen? But I think heaven is also going to be an awesome place and unbelievable because that only holy, sinless, perfect people are going to be there. Think about it. No hate, no fights, no violence, no harm. Love will reign and peace will rule the day. And we're going to finally realize what we've been created to be. We were created to be God's holy family. That's why you're here. That's why you exist. We're going to be at home with our family, our true family. Don't you just love family? Don't you just love home? I suspect lots of us during this Thanksgiving season spent time with loved ones, spent time with family. The bonds of family and home are so special. And if you have an awesome, amazing family, well praise God for that. I also know that, you know, sometimes in this troubled world, sometimes we just don't have family. Maybe you don't have a family this morning. Or maybe we have a, a dysfunctional Looney Tune family. <laughs> Crazy Aunt Maud and Uncle Bud. Maybe our family can be challenging. Maybe our family member, maybe we have trouble with family members and we don't get along with some of our family. Well, family can be a painful memory for some of us. But even when family isn't a good thing, we all have this desire built into us for family. You right now, where you sit, have a longing for acceptance and love and relationship and family because you were created for family. Where do you think those desires come from? They come from God. Why? Because God created us for relationship. God created us for community. God created us for family. God created us for home. Because that's who He is. That's where He is. And that's who you are. Revelation 21.7 says, He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be His God, and He shall be my... What? Son. That's a family term, right? He didn't say he'll be my warrior. He'll be my servant. He'll be my slave. No, he'll be my son. God says, In my everlasting kingdom, my reign is going to be complete and unquestioned, and I'm going to rule with the heart of love, and my people are going to be my family. That's going to be a celebration. That's going to be a Thanksgiving day that's going to last for eons. The everlasting kingdom of God. Don't you want to be there? Don't you long for him sometimes? Well, where is this everlasting kingdom of God? We call it heaven. And you know, we can't really understand it because it's beyond anything we can imagine. But it's going to be a physical place. God's reign, God's rule over God's people in a brand new place. Revelation 21. John tries to describe this eternal everlasting kingdom of God. In these first five verses, he writes, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down out of the heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, The dwelling of the place of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And He who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Four times in these verses, we see that word new. And the word John uses here refers to something fresh and different. This new heaven and this new earth is something completely different, something that's never existed before. God isn't just going to wash this current universe and and earth clean and then start over with it. He's not just going to remake this. No, He's going to build a brand new heaven. a new earth. A place untainted by sin, by death, by sorrow, by fear, untouched by rebellion of any kind. A new place. You know, at the end of the book of Revelation, John is describing the completion of history. And in Revelation 19 and 20, we see that by the time we get to 21, all of the sinners of all the ages, demons and men, including Satan and the false prophet, and the antichrist they are all at this point in the eternal lake of fire and they're out of the presence of god and of the saints and the angels forever and they've been judged and dismissed into their own disconnected isolated place of eternal punishment and the whole universe as we know it the entire universe all the way out through the billions and billions of light years of space that make up the heavens it's all been destroyed And all the matter that makes up the entire universe has been reduced to energy. And God, here in Revelation 21, creates for his family and the angels a new universe that will live in forever. The fullness of time has come, all things are complete. And as it was in the beginning, so shall it be in the end. God's story, God's everlasting kingdom will be complete a place where God's reign is unquestioned God's rule is love God's people are holy and God's place is brand new that's why you were created that's why you are breathing and living in this room on this earth right now this is why you were created you want to know what the meaning of life is this is it you were created for home you were created to live as a child of God in his family to receive his love and his blessings in your life forever you weren't created for your job you weren't created for your house you weren't created for your car for your kids for your golf score You weren't created for those glorious 12 and old Buckeyes. No, you weren't created for anything else but this. You were created to live and exist in God's presence as God's family throughout the endless eternal ages. You know, God's everlasting kingdom is His story, but it's your story too. So think about this everlasting kingdom kingdom that is coming. And my question for you today, where's your heart? Do you ever just sometimes long to be with Jesus? Where's your heart today? Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has set in the, in the eternity, God has set eternity in the hearts of men. That's to say that there's a longing in the heart of man for eternal life. God has built that into each one of us. Without the hope of life after death, without the hope of eternity, without the hope of heaven, without the hope of God's coming, everlasting kingdom, life is reduced to just hopeless effort, ending in a worthless nothing. I think sometimes it's best described by the words of those great philosophers of the 1970s. Kansas. Kansas. All we are is dust in the wind. Without the everlasting kingdom of God, life is just dust blown and scattered by the wind. You know, Pastor Jay, when he spoke about the implications of the kingdom, he made the point that we shouldn't be sitting and just waiting for God's kingdom to come, for God to just come and rescue us. We shouldn't be pining away for heaven such that we fail to engage our world for Jesus. And I believe that no truer words have been spoken. In fact, rather than sitting and waiting for that everlasting kingdom to come, we should be motivated by the fact that it is coming to love more, Serve more, be more for Jesus. Rather than just waiting to be rescued, we need to move out and kick Satan's kingdom right in the head. Amen? (laughs) You know, unfortunately, so often that's not the case in our lives. Sadly, we live in a Western world culture where we're so often motivated by instant gratification and material comfort an endless indulgence. You know, even the the family of Christ, even the, the church, the body of Christ, has been infected at times with this love for the world rather than a love and desire for heaven. A lot of Christians, to some degree or another, are more interested in laying up their treasures on earth than laying them up in heaven. We're more concerned about our investments and our retirement packages and our futures on this earth than we are about our final destination, which is that everlasting kingdom of God where he rules and reigns in love. 1 John 2 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, The lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of God, but it is of the world. And let me remind you, the world passes away. As a follower of Jesus, everything you have today is connected to God's everlasting kingdom. Everything about your life and your destiny is there. Our Father is there. Our Savior is there. Our Comforter is there. Our family is there. Our name is there. Our inheritance is there. Our home is there. Our citizenship is there. Our reward is there. Our treasure is there. Everything about your life is there. And even more important than all that, Jesus is there. Can you say with the psalmist, in Psalm 73, he says, Whom have I in heaven but you? There's nothing on earth I desire. Besides you. Do you have that desire for Jesus in your heart today? Do you desire the things on this earth more than you desire Him? Does a love for Jesus and His everlasting kingdom define your identity today? Does a love for Jesus and His everlasting kingdom motivate you and help you to overcome those secret sins in your life? Does your love for Jesus... And His everlasting kingdom drive you to advance His kingdom in your world by loving and serving and giving and witnessing to others. Where's your heart today? Is it buried in the things of this earth? Have the things of this earth gripped a hold of you? Things that are passing away? Or are you living for that glorious everlasting kingdom to come? Do you long for the King of Kings to return? I hope so. Because God is going to wrap up all of time and all of history into His everlasting kingdom. Where God is going to reign supreme. He's going to rule with a heart of love. His family is going to be holy and perfect. And we're going to live in a brand new place. Where's your heart today? As I close, I want to close with a short video. It's one you're going to remember because we've seen it here a time or two before. But I, but I think it best describes this king of God's everlasting kingdom. He is coming soon. And then after the video, the worship team is going to come and they're going to lead us into the presence of God with some songs. And the prayer team is going to be up front here. And they're going to pray with you. If your heart is bound up in this world, if you you need a, a clear new vision of that everlasting kingdom of God, please come and pray. Pray with one of our prayer partners, pray by yourself, but just ask the Holy Spirit to give you a fresh vision of who He is and of who you are in Him. A renewed passion for His kingdom today. And if you're one of those folks being baptized, When the worship team begins playing, just go ahead and make your way uh, up to the uh, changing rooms to get prepared. But As I close, turn your attention to the side screens for a very good description of our King of Kings.